nearly every gun control ideal has congealed into one bill, and it originated out of Texas of all places. Representative Sheila Jackson is proposing H.R. 127, also known as the Sabika Sheikh Firearm Licensing and Registration Act. Through the ATF, the Attorney General would, quote, establish a system for licensing the possession of firearms or ammunition in the United States. In short, they're creating a database of everyone who buys a gun, and this would include firearms you already own. In 2020, nearly 40 million background checks for firearm sales were conducted through the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. Halfway through 2020, the Firearm Industry Trade Association, NSSF, said that nearly 40% of gun purchases were first-time gun owners. After a summer of racial rioting and an increasing number of armed Americans, will Democrats' gun control legislation save lives or endanger those they claim to protect? Blacks. Hop in a DeLorean and select 2022. You get out and HR 127 is law. You have three months to register those firearms you've got stored away for an emergency. Decide not to comply? You'll get at least 15 years in prison. Great news! Your cellmate has a 15-year minimum sentence, too. He's serving time for trafficking a child under the age of 14 for sex, but that's just as bad as owning a gun, right? Just a few years ago, nearly half of all families had a family member that had been jailed. But this is America. Let's go for 100%. H.R. 127 is about targeting those whom Obama claimed, quote, cling to guns or religion or antipathy to people who aren't like them, right? Well, it is a race-based gun grab, but it's against blacks. For nearly 400 years, the U.S. has used gun control to disenfranchise black Americans, and H.R. 127 is no different. Beginning in 1640, Virginia enacted a law that prohibited blacks from, quote, carrying weapons, including clubs. These black codes and slave codes continued even after the Second Amendment was ratified. At this point, states began getting creative, doing things like excluding blacks from joining militias and permitting white patrols to enter the homes of blacks and confiscate weapons. Within five years of the Civil War ending, the Ku Klux Klan forms. Race-based gun control laws continue, but begin to change form. From 1870 to 1907, three states passed Saturday night special laws that only permitted expensive firearms to be sold, essentially keeping them out of the hands of blacks at the time. In 1875, the Supreme Court ruled that the federal government had no power to prevent the KKK from disarming blacks. In 1968, the Gun Control Act passes, with journalist Robert Sherrill proclaiming it was, quote, passed not to control guns, but to control blacks. As late as 1988, Maryland passed a Saturday night special law, acting as yet another economic handgun ban targeting blacks. In 1995, Illinois, Virginia, Maine, Oregon, and Washington tried banning firearms in public housing, as did President Bill Clinton at the federal level. These types of laws had a discriminatory undertone. In the 70s and 80s, blacks were twice as likely to live in public housing. Even today, nearly 50% of black families live in public housing. In 2001, the federal government launched Operation Safe Neighborhoods, partnering with state and local law enforcement. It is a tough-on-guns program that has targeted minority communities for selective enforcement for over 20 years. But H.R. 127 is a draconian gun grab for everyone, right? Well, true, but we've seen selective enforcement of strict laws that target and marginalize minorities before. It's called the War on Drugs. Without war, the government has perfected the art of trapping blacks in a vicious cycle of denying them civil liberties and incarcerating them when they exercise those very liberties. Although blacks and whites use drugs at the same rate, blacks are more than two and a half times more likely to be incarcerated for it. 
But wait, HR 127 is pretty neutral. It doesn't seem race-based on its facade. Well, HR 127 includes several of its own economic barriers, like requiring training courses and insurance fees, putting a financial barrier between blacks and gun ownership. The legislation also requires a psych evaluation, interviews with family and friends, holding one's constitutional right hostage to subjective standards that could easily allow racial bias and prejudice to take control. H.R. 127 outlaws large-capacity ammunition feeding devices as well. But don't worry, on- or off-duty cops can have them. Why not let the exact people blacks don't trust have unfettered access to arms no one else can have? That means the Derek Chauvin's of the world will always have access to guns, even the big, bad, scary ones. But it would be harder for the George Floyds of the world to access those very weapons. And when the national database that H.R. 127 creates of licensed gun owners manifests into confiscation, take a guess at who they'll come for first. Here's a hint. During Hurricane Katrina, officers went into people's homes and confiscated weapons. At that time, New Orleans was nearly 70% black. If you don't like the facts, then how about trying your feelings? Stop. Go back to last summer. All those protests about police brutality, those that proclaimed all cops are bastards. Remember that racism in the police force is systemic. There's all these bigoted and racist cops. When HR 127 becomes law, all those bastard cops will be the ones with all the guns. Is that what you want? Unarmed black men at the mercy of bastard cops? Black lives matter. Let's make sure they can defend that motto.